0: Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. My name is Rob Samuelson. I'm an elder at Generations Church, with me today, as always, is my friend and the lead pastor of Generations, Jeff Ludington. How are you doing today, Jeff?
1: I'm doing well. This is going to be a fun one, uh, one of two, actually, if you want to explain to our listeners what we're doing today.
0: Yeah, we are uh, in our Questions from the Classroom series, taking questions from high schoolers, and as you would expect, high schoolers love to ask questions about end times things, and especially the book of Revelation. Uh, we've had the book of Revelation in some of our previous episodes. We're yep. going to have another one. Uh, coming up next time, but one of our uh, our biggest fans.
1: One of our biggest fans. I guess
0: I'd put it that way. There one of go. our many, many, many big fans. <laughs> uh, one of our students, Elijah Daigle. Um, we mentioned him last week, gave a little shout out. But uh, he asked this question Will we ever understand the book of Revelation? And if we think we've got it, how do we know we're right?
1: Well, if I say no, I guess this episode's going to be pretty short. So. Yes, I believe we can understand the book of Revelation, and I believe that we can know we're right. Now, I say that with uh, with a level of humility. I mean, smarter people than me have disagreed over this, but um, where you know where the wise may struggle and wrestle. I'm going to be super simple, and I think that Revelation tells us a lot about what it's about, and I think that the general principle we used last week when we talked about Interpretation of prophecy. I think it applies here as well So we take the clear things in scripture and we use them to help us interpret Interpret things that are less clear a little more vague a little harder to understand We take the clear things and we let them help us understand everything else and so uh, I want to give a second kind of a a second idea today that we can think through and Consider this There are Christians all over the world being persecuted, right? There are uh, those who are martyred daily um, and are suffering and uh, again under persecution if they were to read the book of Revelation today would they walk away with some futuristic version of in times where things are going to get hard and we have to endure and you know not take a mark of the beast or whatever else or would they read it as something entirely different because they are suffering today and for me, you can't have two interpretations of this. You have to have one meaning that has many applications, right? If you're enduring persecution, how do I live this out? Or if you're not enduring persecution, how do I live it out? But it has to have one meaning. And there is no way that the modern American common you know, interpretations of this would be read the same way by someone being persecuted in China or in Sudan or in you know places in uh, in the world, in Asia and Africa, places where they're being martyred for their faith. So I think that we can get a, a right understanding by reading Revelation and hearing what it says to us.
0: Right. So we don't want to read Scripture and just try to figure out what does this mean to me? Yeah. Right. Good. In my situation, in my time, we want to know what it actually means. And it's helpful if we read it and the author tells us, here's right. why I'm writing this. Right. So Book of Luke, um, you know, Book of Acts, we've got luke writing and saying here's why i'm writing this theophilus right right so does revelation have
1: that does john tell us why he's writing that particular book he does and and i think a, a distinction we need is not what does this mean to me but how do i apply it to my life right now the application can be personal but the meaning must be kind of a standard right so revelation itself like you said luke right hey i write this For this reason you know he writes that in luke he writes it in acts john writes it in his gospel Uh, but also the author john who writes revelation says this since the opening five words of the book the revelation of jesus christ now it goes on verse one goes on to say which god gave him meaning john to show his servants the things that must soon take place he made it known by sending his angel to the servant john so god makes this known and through this messenger he makes it known to jesus he makes it known through his messenger to john John captures it, but here's the thesis statement the revelation of jesus christ, right? This is a revealing Of who jesus is today the ascended resurrected on the throne Jesus not not the jesus that was promised by prophets not the jesus that was you know Born of a virgin lived a sinless life died a death, you know, uh buried in the grave for our sins resurrected from the grave Not even not even the jesus ascending in the opening verses of Acts, but who is Jesus today? And so John says this in, in verse one, he says, he's going to write things that must soon take place, right? And, and for us, we hear must soon and we think maybe future, but it's it's the things that are always happening. And there's two views of Revelation. One is something that's going to happen and the other view is something that always happens. And I, I would suggest again, If someone being persecuted today in their their country where Christians are persecuted, when they read this, would they read this as future? Would they read this as something that always happens? And I would suggest that's what it's about. And so the last thing that he says in verse 1 is he has made it known to us. In other words, we should understand it, right? This should not be a mystery. This should be written to us so that we could understand it. And if we have a right foundation for reading it, I believe we can understand it. So a lot of people get hung up on the imagery, right? right?
0: They read it apocalyptic writing, all sorts of beasts and horns and and locusts and all sorts of stuff, and they and they get stuck on that. How how would you read that and understand it?
1: Yeah, and and so if this relates to the church throughout all seasons of life, right? Always, uh, then things like Revelation one three: Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near, right? So blessed are the people who read this and uh, who hear and who keep. And so one note, who keep the words of this prophecy, right? So if this is future telling, how can you and I read it and understand it and then act on it, keep it, right? So unless it's something relevant in our day, right, then how do we keep it? And so it's got to be present to us. We've got to understand that. And then we deal with the imagery now again last episode We talked about prophecy right and this one says blessed are the ones who read aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are Those who hear, and blessed are those who keep what is written to it Just like we talked about with prophecy last week. There's a real-time Present-day application of all prophecy. We use the example of Jonah Jonah was literally swallowed by a whale for three days in the belly of a whale, Then spit out in front of Nineveh where he was to go do the thing that God told him to do And so it really was a message to him and to all of Israel that they had lost their zeal for sharing the gospel and they didn't care about other people. It was a real message in a real time to real people, right? And then Jesus comes along and gives us some prophetic implication of redemption, right? Just like Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days, so too I will be in the belly of the earth. And so um, it has to happen in real time. So the imagery and all that stuff has to be understandable for the people that it was written to. Now, we live 2000 years later. Now, instead of thinking it was written to people in the future and trying to figure out future imagery, we have to read it like people from the future and look backwards, right? And so we have to look backwards into the imagery used, right? And that way we'll be able to understand it and keep what is in it. And so the symbolism uh, is often much of it uh, tied to the Jewish tabernacle, like all the scenes in heaven Used tabernacle and temple imagery, just like tabernacle and temple imagery used the Garden of Eden, creation, before life was broken and sinful, right? And so the imagery is given to people that would understand it, right? John is steeped in Judaism and understands all that. And so we have to go back through Scripture to understand the imagery in Scripture, right? And then Revelation makes a lot more sense, but that's a lot easier and let's say it—you can find a meaning, rather than was he getting a glimpse of something two thousand, three thousand years in the future and trying to understand that? Does that make sense? So we're we're going backward through the lens of scripture, rather than forward through the lens of history, where we get to input things.
0: Right. So when we look back, we're trying to figure out what was the imagery reflecting at that point. Yes. Where people today will look at it and say, "Well, does this is this a, a symbolic of a?" of a helicopter or a missile or something or an an army
1: that's got advanced weaponry. Yeah. And so, yes, exactly. I mean, that's exactly right. When we, when we try and make it about the future, then we try and read our modern day into it. Right. And it was written to the people then, right. It was written to the seven churches in Asia minor, meaning it's to them. And then obviously by implication to us in revelation one, uh, 12 and 13 it says this uh, and it's a longer longer passage but i want to read a short part then i turned to see the voice that was speaking to me and turning i saw seven golden lampstands okay temple imagery right the golden lampstands rich with meaning to jewish temple adherents. verse 13 in the midst of the lampstand was one like a son of man clothed with a long road and a golden sash around his chest okay high priest imagery right so it's written to them giving them Imagery from their day and from their history if you're Jewish from your not only your present day But your history right things they understood. So Jesus is being portrayed as the great high priest the fulfillment of the high priesthood Standing in an eternal temple ie heaven, right? And so that gives a basis for all the imagery that's a lot easier than Thinking, okay, what is this going to mean in 2,000 years? Oh, this flying thing must be a helicopter, right? It was written to them so they could understand it So when we read New Testament letters, right? When Paul writes a letter to
0: a church We understand he's writing to a specific church. He's addressing their issues But we also apply that to what we go through today. We say this still applies So what in Revelation? How do we know that that still applies to today?
1: That's a great question. So, uh Paul writes to, you know, marriages in both Ephesians and Colossians, right? Peter writes to marriages. So marriage, you know, give or take, has the same struggles today it's always had, right? It's still two selfish and sinful people trying to, you know, get along, raise kids, buy a house, do whatever, right? So the same things apply. And so in the same way, Revelation 1, again, and I've read mostly just verses out of the first, you know, the opening 12, 13 verses in Revelation. So again, Revelation 1, 4 It says, John, to the seven churches. So, hey, write this down, John, right? So we have the intro. John, write this down. So John begins to write to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. So to the seven churches. Now, seven has this imagery. Again, it was to a live seven churches. He's going to name them. Smyrna, Thyatira, Ephesus, etc. Right? So he's really writing to seven churches. But seven also has this symbolism of completeness, like fulfillment, like the whole thing, right? And so, and we know that throughout scripture, everybody kind of knows that. And so, uh, and if you don't, I mean, that's, it's something you pick up on as you read. So the seven churches are real live churches. And it also represents the church today, the church in all circumstances, because in those seven churches, some are really comfortable places in their lives, right? Church in Laodicea had gone through some stuff, but they were pretty wealthy. Other churches are being persecuted and scattered and struggling. And so, just like today, the church in America, not being persecuted. No matter what they tell you on the news, not being persecuted. Nobody's going to die for their faith today, right? However, on the other side of the planet, people are actually being martyred and dying and being persecuted for their faith. So it's it's applicable to the seven churches he's writing it to, because it's really to them. But it has those same meanings to us today. So again, one meaning again, multiple applications, we have to figure out, okay, if I'm like the church in Ephesus or the church in Thyatira, the church in Laodicea, how do I apply that to my life? But it has still the initial meaning, just like Jonah, original meaning, application later.
0: Yeah, so much good information and and so many things to cover in the book of Revelation. Now, we've covered some of them, right? In our previous episodes, we talked about heaven, we used Revelation. Um, and we're going we're gonna to have to talk about some of this stuff later. Otherwise, this would be a 45-minute episode and people be tuning out after 20 minutes.
1: Solve the most confusing book in the Bible, 40 minutes. No <laughs> exactly. problem. Exactly.
0: Or if you're like me and I listen to them while I'm riding my bike, yeah, I'm going to end up dying at the end if I have to keep going because the episode won't end. So yeah. next time, we're going to talk about things like the Great Tribulation and the Rapture and the Millennium and all these things that a lot of the students and some of the adults are going to have questions sure. about. But just kind of looking at it in general— Um You mentioned that revelation talks a lot about present day talks things about that
1: it happened things that are happening What what do you see in there that's future sure for sure? Yeah, and we will we'll we'll catch those again This isn't a This isn't a sitcom where you can tee up a problem and solve it in 20 minutes plus commercials, right? So It just is right. It's got a lot to it and we'll we'll cover some of the things that people ask specific questions like you mentioned Um, But future telling right Revelation 1 7 again opening words. It gives us a sense of the whole book uh, Says behold he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him Even those who pierced him all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him even so amen, right? So there is a hope throughout this entire book and if it is written as i'm suggesting to the church uh, Not only the church alive then but the church throughout time and it's written with the understanding that there is tribulation there is struggle there is um, hardship in, 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 in life, right? And if that's the case, and we're to understand, but Jesus well, that's enough, but Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is right, Jesus is on the throne, if we're to understand who Jesus is today then we get the message of endurance and if there's any other like kind of adding to the endurance part, and it's endurance with hope, right? Behold, he is coming right? Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen, right? He is coming and then everybody will see him and then even some wailing. So we get a return of Jesus and judgment. I might add that we don't get anything in between that, but that's for another episode, right? But the message of hope is prominent in a message of endurance, like endure now. Jesus is on the throne. Everything is okay. It's going to be okay. It's not okay right now. I get that you're struggling, but Jesus has had the victory, right? And that is a recurring theme all throughout Scripture, right? That God has overcome, that Jesus has overcome. And so hope becomes the other kind of future-looking, right? Jesus is going to fix this. Jesus is going to restore things. There will be a day, like we covered with you, like you said, with heaven and all that. There will be a day when none of this exists, and it, uh, when none of the pain and struggle exists, and everything is made right. Hope. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Hope. And
0: it's, it's important to remember that because a lot of people read the book of Revelation looking for something else and it turns out to be a lot of fear, yeah, a lot of worry, you know, Mark of the Beast, uh, the
1: Antichrist, they, they're focusing on those things. Well, yeah, if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? <laughs> I mean, like if you're reading it with a lens, you're going to see what you're trying to find. Right, so what
0: would you say then is the is the main focal point? What When he's writing this, what is he trying to get across to the, the people he's writing to?
1: Yeah, I think this is... Once I say it, you'll never be able to not see it. But without saying it, a lot of people it just it's kind of um, overlooked Uh, and it's the throne right there. There are 43 uses of the word throne inside 35 verses, right? And so 17 of the 22 chapters focus in on a throne. Chapters 9 through 11 and 17 and 18 have no throne, uh, neither does 15. Some of those are a continuation of one long thought that emanates from the throne, but there are also uh, judgments of things that are being taken taking place here on earth, like the church who has been persecuted, those who have persecuted the church being judged, right? So it proceeds from the throne, but it gives a view of human existence, right? So, um, but otherwise, 43 uses of the word throne. 35 different verses use that word. 17 of 22 chapters focus on a throne. A throne for me is the main focus. And so Revelation 7, uh, I'm going to read verses 9 through 11, says this, And after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. And the lamb and all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders the four living creatures And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God So again in three verses four uses of the throne two of them add that it's before the throne and the lamb, right? The lamb being jesus Seated or actually standing on the throne in that in that image, right? But you know our god who sits on the throne and to the lamb So we get this image of god eternal Jesus our Savior enthroned right angels around the elders the living creatures all these different things and Then those who worship fell on their faces before the throne and worship God So when we get a glimpse at who is Jesus today? Well, he's Jesus ascended glorified living reigning on the throne, right? He's already there things are accomplished kingdom being run by our King Jesus who is on the throne
0: So you made a great point as we read as we read books in the Bibles, we read letters, look to see if the author says why the writing, and then look for those things that are repeated over right. and over and over again. They're trying to make a point, and it's always good to know what that point is. So we got a little bit of time left. We're going to wrap it up. Again, if you were listening to this and you were thinking, man, are they going to talk about the tribulation? Are they going to talk about you know, all these different things that I want to know about? Stay tuned for the next episode. You're going to have yep. to wait a week for that. But um, if you could just summarize, just wrap up the main idea of the book of Revelation, what would,
1: you, what would you say? So if the main focal point is a throne, then I would say the main idea or the main focus, if you will, of the book is the one on the throne, right? And so Revelation 5, 5 and 6, uh, And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. And it goes on and goes on and you know him who was seated on the throne is verse 7 and it it kind of goes before this and so Here's the main idea right that jesus is the lion of the tribe of judah Which again is a jewish reference the root of david a jewish reference the lamb of god a jewish reference, right? Our slain savior jewish and also new testament, right? He is seated on the throne. He is worthy. He is worshiped He's the one who hears our prayers it talks about in that same passage in verse 8 that uh, the golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, are rising up to Jesus. In other words, today, we're not praying in heaven. We're praying right now on earth, and it's rising up to the one on the throne. So he hears our prayers. He receives our worship. He is the king of the kingdom, and that kingdom includes all tongues, tribes, nations, languages, etc. This book is about Jesus and how we endure trial and hardship because he reigns, he is alive, and he is king today
0: great way to wrap that up. And so I would encourage you as you read Revelation, and maybe read it between now and next week when we do our next episode, um, read it from that point of view. Read it from what you learned today. We are going to release the next episode on the following Tuesday. So every Tuesday we release a new one. Uh, we appreciate you being here. We appreciate you listening and joining us. Uh, we appreciate your questions. We got one this past week that we're going to do in a future episode. Send your questions to questions at generations dot email and we will get those. Share what you've heard, like it, subscribe to it, uh, make a comment on it. We would love to hear from you. God bless you this week and remember the hope that is in Christ seated on the throne.
1: information, visit our website at
0: genfamily.church. G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at genfamilychurch.